0: to the duality podcast with your favorite usually duo Simeon and bella but today it's just me so it's a solo episode with your girl bells um so the first little asmr segment we have is the pouring of some sparkling pineapple water thing from trader joe's so it's very yummy Very yummy. Hopefully that, um, you know, translated onto the mic. This is my first time recording alone. So uh, It'll be interesting. Y'all are in for a treat. Hopefully we'll see (laughs) How this goes. Um, so I thought I'd start off with some life updates Um, so for me I think in last episode we said that it was, yeah, it was actually, I think it was our first week in the new house sit that we're doing, so Simi and I are doing another house sit in Orange County, California, so close to the beach, which has been really nice. We are watching the cutest little doggy. Her name is Izzy, and she's a French bulldog, little hippo piggy baby. (laughs) Yeah, she's super cute, and so I've been here with the puppy this week. Simi's also been here off and on. She had to go see some family and had some like work things. So she hasn't been here like the whole time, which is why I'm recording this now because she has some other things going on. But um, yeah, if you can hear that dog in the background, that is Izzy. But I don't know, any other life updates? Oh, I, I had a birthday party for my, one of my like best friends. She turned 24, so that was super fun. Did like my first dinner party of my life. Like I fully made the dinner and I made like pizza and tri-tip and potatoes and yeah and a salad dare I say I popped off (laughs) just kidding it wasn't anything crazy but I was like I don't know I've never done anything like that so it was really fun so I was thinking about doing a episode an episode in the future about like setting up a dinner party and all that goes into it because I kind of went in blind I mean I kind of called my mom for advice and stuff but I feel like literally in a home alone and a dog barking Izzy, please stop freaking me out. Thank you. Okay, we're back. All good. <laughs> um, but anyways, yeah, I had that dinner party. That was super fun. Would recommend. I feel like it was just, I think the gift of hospitality is low-key dying out. And my dream is to be like, a, to have a house in the future where everyone just comes over all the time and there's always like food ready and it's just everyone's home. So I'm kickstarting that dream. It is a bit of a middle-aged life dream but yeah trying to start it early so anyways that was super fun celebrating my bestie um shout out madison and yeah i went to the beach a couple times that's kind of been it though just working but yeah that is my life update loving this house sit and if any of you have any questions about trusted house sitters please do dms on instagram because It is literally the life hack of life. Like, (laughs) Simi and I were talking about it, and I was talking to my brother about it too. And yeah, we were just saying how crazy it is because rent or an Airbnb like this would literally cost an insane amount of money. And we're just staying here for free with a little Izzy, who if you hear in the background making noises, that is the dog, right, sitting right there. But anyways, without further ado, Why don't we get into today's episode, which is our next educational episode. So it is about pollinators. And I kind of decided on this topic because I've been doing this volunteer kind of program back at home. And it basically just like targets children in the community and connecting with nature. And there's been a lot of workshops. Like there was one on pollinators, one on like gardening, one on composting. And I'm just like blown away by that information every time. I think it just reminds me how many resources are in the earth. like such a gift, you know, like all the vitamins and nutrients and I don't know, just like what a cool reciprocal relationship we have with the earth. But I don't know, I think we need to be reminded of that or at least I do more often because... I don't know. I guess I just don't think about all the really super cool, amazing things that are literally just right outside in our backyard. So um, yeah, so we'll be talking about pollinators today, specifically bees. And I just thought this was an important topic because it kind of builds upon that human connectedness to nature and earth and health and the environment and so much more. And nature and the earth is truly a gift. So I don't know, it just reminded me what know how we should be like good stewards and stuff of the earth and anyways i know a lot of people say save the bees but in this episode we're going to go into why people say save the bees so what is pollination so pollination is an essential part of plant reproduction and what occurs is the pollen from a flowers anthers which are the male like reproductive parts of a plant rubs or drops onto a pollinator and that pollinator in this case i'm mostly focusing on bees but they can be different animals and i'll go into that later the pollinator will then take this pollen to another flower where the pollen sticks to the stigma which is the female reproductive part of the Plant or flower and then this fertilized flower later yields fruit and seeds so essentially without pollinators many plants would not be able to reproduce and if they weren't able to reproduce they wouldn't be able to yield fruit and therefore we're out of fruit or seeds for these plants um so to go into some different types of pollinators there are there are quite a few like i said we're going to be focusing on bees but i'll go into kind of all the different ones so the first one um, are bees, and they're really instrumental in just flower nectar. They pro- Flower nectar provides the bees with sugar to fuel their flights. These nutrients are then taken back to their babies and like larvae, the young bees in the beehives. And um, yeah, bees are, you know, they pollinate a ton of flowers, I'm sure you Every single person has seen them in their backyard on different flowers, and they're really doing the work of pollinators there. And then beetles, which I had no idea beetles were pollinators, but beetles are pollinators. And I think oftentimes I just think of like the ugly beetles, but actually ladybugs are beetles. Didn't know that. So beetles are referred to as the mess and soil pollinators. So they really pollinate things that are closer to the ground. And then butterflies, I'm sure you've seen them on flowers. They're also pollinators. Flies hummingbirds, moths also, they they pollinate night blooming flowers, which is like, wow, how, how cool. And then also wind. So not all pollination relies on animals. Wind can also pollinate grains, um, nuts, trees, grasses. And um, yeah, those are just some examples of pollinators. So I also wanted to go into why, like, why is this important? What what how, What is the connection between pollinators, humans, food, plants, all of that? So to bring it kind of full circle, one out of three bites of food that we eat exists because of animal pollinators like bees, butterflies, moths, birds, bats, beetles, and other insects, which is insane to think about. Like one third of every single bite that you take off your plate. And I'm sure probably, you know, directly are linked to pollinators but there's probably some that you know like like any animal product if an animal's eating a plant that was you know given to them by a pollinator then that's even more linked to pollinators and that's not even to account for the flowers that you put in your garden or the bouquets that you get like so much of it is due to the work of pollinators so some examples of some common foods that are brought to us due to pollinators are apples Almonds, oranges, avocados, peaches, pears, cherries, blueberries, vanilla, cacao, lemons, limes, eggplants, nectarines. I could go on and on. Basically every berry and 90% of wild plants and 75% of leading global crops depend on animal pollinators such as bees. So let me just pause there real quick. Essentially, pollinators are really directly correlated to our health. Because as I'm sure you notice, like all the, the produce that I just listed out, they're extremely essential like food products for our well-being. They have a ton of vitamins that are essential for us, like fiber um, and a lot of other things that I'm sure a nutritionist would know and things I could look into too. But yeah, like fruits and um, vegetables, it's like actually incredible when you think about it. So that's a little bit of a rundown there. And I wanted to talk specifically about bees because at that workshop that I mentioned earlier in the episode that we went to, it focused a lot on bees as pollinators. And though there are many types, I think bees are one of the... Actually, a lot of pollinators are at risk of going extinct. I think bats as well. Um, But definitely bees are at risk of extinction. So I just feel like awareness to knowing what exactly bees do is really important and it's also just extremely fascinating and literally makes me so just i don't know like i'm I'm just amazed at how incredible these tiny tiny creatures are so something interesting about bees is they actually have brains the size of a sesame seed which is tiny like so so tiny but they're extremely efficient and Really like intelligent animals. I read this study online when I was researching for this episode. And just to note, all these resources are credible. So I will link them in the show notes. But yeah, so even though their brains are the size of sesame seeds, they're extremely intelligent. I guess these scientists had shown them how to like go through a goal, like um, kind of like be football. But basically they're smart enough to like complete a task like that. And also... Every single bee has a specialized function within their hive um, or within their colony, I guess is a better word for it, which is just insane. Like they all have their exact duty that they're meant to do, which is kind of cool, like kind of similar to humans, you know, like we all have our individual purpose. So not to get deep or anything, (laughs) but I just thought that was really interesting. Um, And bees know their specific role. I know all of us have kind of seen the bee movie. Iconic movie, very strange, actually re-looking at that as an adult, but needless to say, I know they talk about how, I think I, if I remember correctly in the movie, they graduate and they're given like their role, whatever within the hive or within the colony. But actually, I mean, that's kind of like a nice way to translate it for kids. But bees actually know what to do due to their genetic makeup and their hormones. And at different stages in their lives, their hormones will then like, entice them to do the duty they're specifically supposed to do for that time and there are three main overview types of bees and then within those three types there's like other delineations but so the first of those types is the queen bee I'm sure you've heard of the queen bee not Beyonce (laughs) but a queen bee so the queen bee is kind of like the head of the colony she's the one that's really like giving birth to all the bees and it's actually fascinating she can designate the sex of her children like what that's actually mind-blowing so um yeah so she will mate with male bees which are called drones then she'll store the spermatozoa which she gets from mating with the male bees and decides whether to release that spermatozoa or not and whether she if she does decide to release it that baby bee from her becomes a female and if she doesn't it's a male so that just shows like the intentionality of like the creation of these bees and just how literally they can they can choose you know like what what their colony needs more males or females which is just really cool and a queen bee lays eggs at a rate of 1500 per day for two to five years like wow she is working overtime. so yeah she's really like the head of the colony and then that kind of leads us to the second type of bee, which is a drone bee. And drones are just male bees. And it's actually so hilarious, but male bees slash drones literally only exist to mate with the queen bee. And then after they mate, they die. <laughs> so until they, until they mate with the queen, they literally just like chill in the honeycomb and eat the honey reserves. And yeah they just exist to mate with the queen so they get the easy life and then we also have the third type which is worker bees which are the female bees and at different stages of their lives they do different activities but some of these activities include maintaining the cleanliness of the hive so they're like janitors also taking care of the larva which are um that duties kind of like nurses and then they also build cells within the hive so you know like the honeycombs that we see they're they're actively building those they also tend to the queen they store honey they also forage they pollinate and they guard the nest and also at times they will feed the drones so so as you can see these worker bees have just a ton of duties but it's so cool that like at different points in their lives they're they're you know intentionally nurses or janitors or foragers or pollinators and um, actually it was interesting they don't end up becoming foragers and pollinators until the end of their lives because this is like when a lot of them will die because they go out in you know outside of the hive and go forage for nectar and pollinate different plants so yeah that is also just incredible like that they would never have like a baby bee out there pollinating plants because it has to like grow up and live its life and then when it's old and mature it can go out and forage so wow just incredible truly so just reading that kind of like the different types of bees i I had no idea how delineated and just really incredible like this makeup of bees is and it makes me want to like look into other animals because i'm sure they have extremely interesting facts about them too but Anyways, pretty cool. Um, and then some fun facts about bees. An average beehive can hold 50,000 bees. Wow, that is a ton. So that's like the size of a pretty good sized city, um, if you think about it like in human terms. I, I think like twice the size of a lot of co- like major colleges. Like I think UCLA has like 35,000 students. Uh, I could be so wrong on that. Let me see, UCLA population oh UCLA has 44,947 students so yeah essentially the size of UCLA so every the average beehive is that large but with bees so I thought that was really cool and another cool fact is foragers which to remember back foragers are worker bees well type of worker bees which are the female bees and the foragers must collect honey from about 2 million flowers to make 1 pound of honey literally insane and the average forager makes about one twelfth of a teaspoon of honey in her lifetime so think about how many bees made the honey that you and I eat like I literally put honey in my matcha almost every single morning and I put honey in my yogurt and I'm putting a lot more than one twelfth of a teaspoon so many many bees had to live their lives for me to have access to that honey which is really cool and also another cool fact is the principal form of communication among honeybees is through chemicals called pheromones so they are constantly in communication with one another through pheromones which that's really cool like they really do communicate with each other though they may not like speak words they communicate with each other primarily through chemicals and the last fun fact i wrote down are that bees are important because they pollinate approximately 130 agricultural crops in the United States, including fruit, fiber, nut, and vegetable crops. And bee pollination adds approximately $14 million annually to improved crop yield and quality. So this is a business, like, well, it's not really a business, but (laughs) like they, you know, they really are essential not just monetarily but really for the survival and the well-being of humans so that made me just think about like dang if these bees are endangered what can I do to kind of like help them you know if in any way so I have six ways that we can help the bees and really just contribute to their longevity and you know, decrease their risk of extinction extinction and everything. The first one that I found when I was researching is first plant native plants. Um, So native plants are the plants that are native to wherever you live. I know in California, like where we are in SoCal. So yeah, over here in California, some like examples of native plants, and this is just Southern California, would be like hummingbird sage, black sage, coyote mint, um... Joshua trees, like valley oaks, you can look up wherever you're from, um, kind of what the, the native plants are there. And if you plant those, that's really essential because then the bees that are native to your area will, will, you know, want to pollinate those plants. And when they pollinate those plants, not only does it help those plants grow, um, so it even helps with like endangered plants or flowers. Not only does it help those plants, but it also gives the bees the pollen to take back into their Um, into their colonies and make honey so that they can live and then we also get honey too so it's kind of kind of cool if we plant our native plants and something you can do i went recently to a nursery and they had like this pack of pollinator seeds which are just you can wh- wh- the nursery I went to, they have like a map of the the U.S. on each of these seed packets, and they'll highlight like the area that they're native to. So I bought ones that were native to where I'm from, but they had some that were like native to the Pacific Northwest or the East Coast or the South, and then it got even more specific, like specific states or regions or climates. And you can always get those; they're super cheap. I think I bought a pack for like, I want to say like four dollars, probably less. I oh I can't. Being in a house alone with a dog barking is just unsettling every time. <laughs> Anyways, but yeah, they're they're not they're pretty inexpensive. And you can plant them, like literally dig up holes and plant them, or you can even just like throw them in your backyard or along the side of the road. Something else I learned is you can also make a seed ball, which I would recommend looking that up. It's really fun. Like you essentially get clay and some soil and you just put it into a little ball and then cover it in seeds and let it dry for like overnight and then just like throw it wherever you want. And there you have it. You're contributing to the native plants of the region. So that's kind of fun. I think it's a fun activity too to do if you have like kids or little cousins or you're a teacher. It's a fun little like, I don't know, educational experience, so. Um, That's pretty cool. Also spreading awareness. Tayo, the creator, is working overtime. I'm pretty sure he did the save the bees thing, but let me look. Yes, sir. Yes, he did. He is working overtime on this. Shout out to him. Just spreading awareness about how important pollinators are and how they are at risk for extinction and how we need to continue to kind of like keep them in our mind because they do help us a lot. So, I don't know. We should help them too. And then something else is leave the dandelions that are in your grass i typically do not leave them i do pull them because they're weeds so after doing this research i was like oh dang i should leave them and they're kind of fun you can make a wish and stuff but essentially dandelions are the first food for bees emerging in the spring so they're really important because it's really the first nutrients they get after hibernation and everything and so yeah leaving them not over you know of course if you want to keep like a perfect garden you have to leave them everywhere but if you can just leave like a couple they're great for bees as well And then also limit or eliminate the use of pesticides in your plants or buy like organic buy from farms that aren't using pesticides and also don't use pesticides in your own garden i know that's easier said than done just because i think like pesticides are you know really promoted and they're also like i guess i can see why people use them just because they keep bugs away and stuff but not only is it like unhealthy for us, but it's also unhealthy for the bees. So that's something else I really need to research. So maybe a future episode will be on pesticides and all that, but that's another way just limiting or eliminating your use of pesticides in your gardens. And then also this one I thought was so cute, create a bee bath. So um, this article online said bees work up quite a thirst foraging and collecting nectar. So to make a bee bath, You just fill a shallow birdbath or bowl with clean water and arrange some pebbles and stones inside so that they kind of like break the water surface so the bees don't drown but if you put them on there the bees will land on the stones and pebbles and they'll just like get water so it's a nice little opportunity for it's like super easy way to just put like a little bee bath out there and you can also put um hummingbird nectar like bird seed too for birds that are pollinators I know my mom has like a little hummingbird bird feeder and it's great because hummingbirds are pollinators too. And then also support local beekeepers. I know that there's a lot of, even if you don't have any locally, there are a lot online that are like ethical beekeeping brands. So if you get your honey from there, that's always good. Um, But these are just some of the ways to help. You don't have to do all of them. You don't even have to do any of them, but they're just great options if this is something that you're interested in, just kind of. Connecting with the bees and helping them out. So, yeah, this was kind of a shorter episode just because, yeah, it was one of the solo episodes. So, I hope you're all having a wonderful week. And basically, my takeaways of this episode are that nature and humans are just so, so, so much more connected than i i really knew like i guess you always know that obviously we are connected like we're literally part of nature you know it's not like something that's separate from us but i don't know i guess i just live my life sometimes feeling so separated from like the outside world and animals like that's a totally different thing but it's not at all like animals and plants are just such a gift and i think that as i get older i really want to be like a good steward of like nature and just be a caretaker of animals and the earth and stuff because it really is a reciprocal relationship like helping them helps us and um yeah anyways well thank you so much for listening i hope that you have a wonderful rest of your week i will be putting the sources down in the show notes i'm going to try to do like an mla format bibliography so you can kind of check them out and also please follow us on instagram and tiktok on tiktok on tiktok tiktok toe on tiktok Our, um, username is at duality podcast and then on Instagram is at duality pod and, uh, yeah, we'll be posting like infographics for this episode and for future episodes. So if you ever just want to get down to the facts of the episode, go ahead and refer there. And then also if you could be ever so kind and leave us a rating review on Spotify, it's super easy. You just tap like the stars and then on Apple Podcasts you can write like an in-depth review. But anyways, thank you so much for listening. We will be back at it next week. Um, Simi will be joining. This was just a solo episode today. But yeah, I hope you have a wonderful rest of your week. Thank you so much for listening and we'll talk to you soon. Bye.